as we get started, I, I wanted to um, encourage a couple things this coming year. If you have not found resolutions for yourself, um, I thought I'd suggest a couple. Uh, is that okay? Okay. So, yeah, things that I want to change about you. Uh, that's, that was what Hannah said. That wasn't what I was thinking. Um, so the first is this, and I printed these out. This is a year-long Bible reading plan, which we passed out last year. And I, I won't ask how many of you read all the way through, um, even though Melissa Bowers, I don't know if she's here, but she did. And she asked if there'd be a prize, so I told her we'd think of something. Uh, um, so this starts January 1st, and I encourage you, there's 30 of them. I can print more if you'd like to make it through. This is not easy. Uh, it seems very manageable at first. I remember talking to some people last year in January, and they're like, can I read more every day? And you absolutely can read more, but the goal of this is faithfulness, not just getting it all done. Um, so it's, it's going to be really hard once you get to, like, March, and so store up that energy you have at the start of the year and, and keep going. But if you make it through, uh, you will ask questions in the, of the scripture that you never had thought about asking before. Um, you will grow closer to Jesus in a way that you've never done before, simply because you start listening to him versus what you assume he's saying. So I encourage that. The second is this. Does anyone know what this is? Any guesses? This is not my journal. A photo album. Yes. Okay, so this is my second recommendation, is that we all keep photo albums. Because what will happen is no one can like this, right? I think we've, we've gotten off track because we get all these photos, we get hundreds and thousands of photos, and, and yet we don't look at them like we used to look at them, right? When, if you have a photo album, you open it and you peruse it, and each, each picture has a story, but now we just like, click through and get rid of the ones we don't think we look good in. And, and so print out photos and keep a photo album. So at the end of 2014, we can each have a photo album that we can look through and admire the year. And it won't be like, oh, 43 people like that picture of mine. It will just be the beautiful experiences you've had and you will value them. Okay? Yeah, we don't even amen for that, okay? <laughs> Bring it back, okay? Photo albums. Um, and the last thing uh, Bianca asked if I would share is, does anyone actually, is anyone going to take me serious on this? Can I get some commitments right now? Uh, there we go, okay. The rest of you, you can keep considering. You have a couple more days till January 1st. Um, the last is this. We still have some of these cards for you guys um, on the table, which were gifts that you could give one another last week. And even though it's not Christmas, it, it, we are still within the 12 days of Christmas which start on Christmas Day. So we're on our fourth day of Christmas. This is great. So these are gifts you can give one another. This one is, let's have a movie night. And then you write, who's it from and who's it to, and you can give this to somebody else. Um, just remember to take someone up on this if you give it to them. <clears throat> okay. You guys don't look half as excited as you should be right now about those awesome suggestions. <clears throat> um, hey, if you guys would pray with me, and then we will get into the Word of God. Oh, Father, give us right now peace of heart and peace of mind.
to be able to hear from you, to discern what you're saying to us through your word. God, today hasn't been polished so far. There's been uh, distractions and um, oftentimes we, we wait for the perfect setting and perfect scenario for us to finally listen or be willing to listen. And yet, God, I just pray this morning as maybe if it's just the verses that are heard, that it will ring so true in our hearts that we, we won't let anything else distract us from saying yes and amen, and I'm going to do that. And I pray that we don't just do that for ourselves, but we really commit to do that together. That we commit not just to, to walk in righteousness this coming year ourselves, but we, we commit to uphold one another in righteousness. We commit not just to pray for ourselves that those habits or things that are still a nuisance to us that are part of our character, not just that we'll pray those things away for ourselves, but God, that we will, we will love our city, our country, our world in such a way that we will, we will intercede on, on its behalf. God, we, we want your kingdom to come, but not, not just here. We want to see your kingdom come in the conflict that persists in the Middle East. Um, God, for the unrest that, that is in our nation right now, is there's a lot of turmoil over events that have happened and continue to happen. God, we need, we need you, the Prince of Peace, just to come and bring us peace. So God, prepare our hearts in a way that only you can. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's a, a story called The Magic Thread. And The Magic Thread uh, is a story about a little boy who he went out into the woods. And he was, he was fairly grumpy when he went into the woods because his mother had just asked him to do the chores. And instead of doing the chores, he ran out into the woods and he thought, I'm done with this. And so he, he laid down, and like in many good fairy tales, he fell asleep. And, and when he woke up, there was this, this old woman that had come to him. And, and she presented him with a little silver ball, and out of that silver ball came a silk gold, silken gold thread. And she said to him, anytime you pull this thread out of the ball, your, your life will uh, will speed up through that time. So basically this, this thread uh, resembles your life. And so uh, that's a lot of power for a young boy to have. But he took the ball and he went back home and, and he thought, well, let's, let's give this a try. And so rather than uh, doing his chores, he just pulled the thread a little bit out of the ball and, and all of a sudden his chores were done and it was dinner time. And, and so even as you're a little boy, you know when you have great power in your hands, like a BB gun or a golden thread. And, and so he, he kind of hid it in his room, and, and he went, and they had dinner. And then the next day, school just seemed so long. And, and so he made it through the day, and he thought, oh, gosh, I don't want to sit through my classes anymore. 
And so, so the next day he came and there was a test. And so rather than taking the test, he just pulled the thread a little bit. And, and all of a sudden the test was done. And, and slowly his discernment waned. And, and he, he used this thread to get him through a lot of uncomfortable situations. Like as a young man, talking with girls is very uncomfortable sometimes. And so he would just get through that real quick. And eventually he was married. Whoa. Glad he didn't have to live through that, right? And so, so he's married, and then, and then he goes to war, and the trauma of war, he could just get himself through that. And, and so the story goes on, and eventually he's this old man. And, and he looks back on his life, and he realizes it's just it's been this blur, because a lot of it he just hasn't lived. He was always looking forward to what would come next. And, and, and never really thought that the moments counted even though they did. And the story ends in, in a, a way a fairy tale would, which was he wakes up and the whole thing was a dream. But the, the moral of the story is, what, what does it mean to really uh, take advantage of life? And, and it's hard when we come to, I think, the end of the year, and I honestly, I'm one of those people that I love, I, Christmas is great. I really, I almost get more excited about hitting January 1st, though, because it, it does, it means a lot to me as far as a fresh beginning. I get excited about a fresh beginning. Um, I get excited because we, we live in a world where, where transformation isn't just possible, but transformation happens, right? And it seems magical, but, but like butterflies do come from caterpillars. I think that's one of the most magical things in the whole world. And it's true, right? It's like, it's like you have a fat little slug, and then it becomes a beautiful flying creature that people take pictures. And people don't take pictures of caterpillars. But, but you have a butterfly, and, and like that happens. And that's like this natural transformation. And, and we know that that also can happen to the, hum, the human spirit, right? That we can go from being... Uh, broken and hurting and distressed, and we can become something beautiful. But, but how that happens, how that happens can be very challenging. We, as we got together as, as men yesterday for Steel Cut Men, and we were talking um, about prayer, and we were talking about the new year, um, at one point, uh, someone shared, and it was like this, this, yeah, but we try every year. <laughs> right, so how do we we say, yes, like, I, I want to transform. I, I want to be all that I see the promises of Scripture um, saying I can be. But, but why is it that oftentimes when I make that commitment to, like, carpe diem, seize the day, that, that in the end, I still, I'm still wrestling with a lot, of, a lot of issues that persist in my life. And so this morning... Um, I, I want to talk about that, what transformation looks like uh, and how the scripture speaks to that. Um, and so as you enter into the coming year, you can make commitments and see God doing things in your life that you never even thought was possible. Um, so if you have your Bibles, um, grab them. If you don't, can I get a volunteer to grab some Bibles and pass them out? If you don't volunteer, I'm just going to volunteer. Vern, Vern, can you do that for me, please? Thank you. So that's what happens in class. If you don't say anything, you just get picked. Watch out who's next. 
Who needs a Bible? We're going to be flipping a lot through it, so grab one if you don't have one. And if you don't have one and you didn't ask for one, I can see you. So I know <laughs> that you didn't have... <laughs> okay, that's enough threatening for one sermon. We're going to be in Ephesians 4. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 16. Uh, And if you'd stand with me, please, as we read the word of God. Paul is writing, and he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So the start to this is Paul's recommendation to live a worthy life. And if the recommendation is to live a worthy life, I think what can be assumed is that there is such thing as an unworthy life. And, and Paul is, is writing to them because it seems very easy, if not natural, for us as people to not choose a worthy life, but to choose an unworthy life. To choose uh, maybe the, the road that just seems easier versus the road that maybe we think in the end will lead to the place we want to be going. Why? Well, because we just kind of right now would prefer the easy path. And, and we see this in Paul's uh, writing because we are learning from a man who's in prison, right? That's the way it starts. A prisoner, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you. And the, the question I had when I started reading this is, well, why would I want to listen to this guy, right? Why would I want to listen to a prisoner when I'm, I'm free? And, and the reality is this, that Paul although he is in prison, is living 
much more free than maybe all of us here. How's that possible? Paul, who is in prison, just let this sink in. I'm not, this isn't like, don't make this easy for yourself. Like, Paul, who is in prison, locked up, is living with a, a freedom that, that possibly we don't experience. Someone who is in prison has the ability to speak into our lives how to live well. Uh, how's that possible? Well, it just kind of speaks to this inherent fact that your life situation doesn't dictate whether you are living a worthy life or not, right? You could be going through hardship and live in great freedom. And I think, I think a lot of times this, this, this fact... We need this to, to be helped in interpreting what's going on in the world. Or you assume just because there's conflict somewhere that none of those people can live in, in true freedom, being that true freedom being that, that their souls aren't bound by captivity. But God is offering something to us through the writing of Paul that I hope you guys take advantage of. There's three things here that, that will help us in this new year. Um, and, and I hope that you guys see them and you hold on to them as you, as you pray through the next couple of days before January 1st. This will, this will be something that guides you. <clears throat> the first thing is this, that, that to live a worthy life in this coming year, it requires that you understand the calling of God upon your life. To live a worthy life in this coming year requires that you understand the calling of God upon your life. We see that here where it says that you would live a life worthy of the calling you have received. For some of you, I hope that you remember the call that you have heard from God. And for others of you, I I hope, I pray, that you hear the voice of God maybe calling you. Maybe for the first time, God gives you ears to hear what he has to offer you guys. So if you're in Ephesians, turn with me uh, really quickly to Ephesians 1, uh, verses 17. Because the, the thing is this. We will, we will only respect the call if we understand and honor the one who does the calling, right? Um, and you guys know this in your lives. If you've ever been in love, like you are just way too excited if that person calls you. Like, okay. This is one of those vulnerable moments that we're all going to have together. Um, I know that there are people you don't answer the phone for. Like, you see them, and you're like, yep. Like, there's silence options on your phone, and you know them well. And then there's other people that you, like, have the phone with you at the most inopportune times. Like, you're taking a shower, but you, like, leave the phone out just so if they call, you'll be like, oh, my goodness. Right? 
like, because you're so excited about them calling you. It matters, it matters who does the calling, because you honor the call when you understand who does the calling, right? So in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 17, it says this, Paul's praying for the church right here, and he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. He's just praying for you guys. Like, man, I hope that they would know the Father better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. So you, you will only appreciate the call that you hear from God if you realize who gave it? Because, because what he's offering you is, an in, is not just an inheritance, but it's his inheritance. You get that here? So, so if, if you were to choose to be in the will of right, me or, or uh, like Jay-Z, you would probably rather be in Jay-Z's will, Right? I mean, you guys probably want to like comfort me right now and be like, it's okay, I'd be in your will. But, but the, truth, the truth is like, I've got a lot of inheritance. So, so you, God is giving us his inheritance. Well, well, who is it that calls us? Well, it's him that has incomparably great power to do, and it says this later in, in, verse, in chapter three, to do immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine. That's who's doing the calling. And, and I think a lot of times we just, we ignore God. <laughs> we, we ignore God because, and, and this is what it means to ignore him. It means to dishonor the one who is doing the calling. And, and we, don't, we don't like f- framing it in that, that way. We'd rather be like, you know, I'm just like, I'm just weighing my options. Well, there isn't an option like God. Does that make sense? There isn't like, oh God, and then like, and then this other option that seems pretty good too. No, it's his incomparable riches that it's talking about here, that is being offered to you. That is who is doing the calling. It's powerful. What is he calling us to? If you look earlier in chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure to the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves." Yeah, we just got to, that's good up here. That is, that is good. What is he calling us to? He's calling us to adoption as children. And so when, when Paul writes in chapter 4, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of that calling. It, it puts it in context. 
What does it mean to live a life that is worthy of an incomparably great God giving you incomparably great inheritance of his riches? How do I, how do I live a life worthy of that? Meditate on that. So who is calling? It's God who's calling. What is he calling us to? Man, he's calling us to a full participation in his family. And so how do we, how do we live lives worthy of that? Well, Paul helps us here because he shows us what a true understanding of that will produce in our lives. Be completely humble and gentle. Like this blows me away. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. What does it look like to live a worthy life? Oh man, because God has loved you so greatly. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Build bonds of peace with one another. Like, if, if you have an incomparably great inheritance, you don't need to grovel for what's yours in this world. That's how you can be Paul and in prison and satisfied, because you're not going to be like, man, I just need to get what's mine. Like, like, you can put that away from you, because you understand who it is that's called you and what he's calling you to. And if, if that is your worth, then you won't seek it in the other riches that might be offered to you. Do you see that? Do you hear that? Do you hear the call of God on your life? Uh, in the scripture, it, it presents Jesus as one who is like standing at the door and knocking, right? Doing that calling. And it is a very strong imagery here. Um, very, very strong imagery because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't present us as the ones who are like free and on the outside, like going in to spend time with Jesus, but it presents us as the ones like inside, right? <laughs> the ones who but need to open the door and then go out to experience the world of his incomparable riches. And so do you hear the call? If you hear the call, how will you respond? Um, if you do respond... What does that look like? And that's, this is our second point. If you've heard the call and understand the call, what does it look like to actually live in that call? And the second point is this, to walk in the gift that he has given you. To walk in the gift that he has given you. Because, because if you understand the call, what that will help you do is, and this is really important, what help, that will help you do is to looking ahead to the future, be it just 2015, it will help you know what to do before the year even comes because you understand your worth and what he's calling you to. And then if you see his, his gift that he's given you, as, as we see here, it will allow you to focus then on what matters most. And this is, this is where we get the gift. In chapter four, verse seven, he says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. So the word grace there is this word charis. 
which literally means gift, right? That grace is being a gift. But, but the really cool thing about this is that is what grace means, uh, the gift of grace is that it's this divine gift that is meant to like reflect back to God. So God gives us the gift so it will like be given back. Because there's nothing that gives joy to someone like appreciating and honoring the one who's given the gift. We'll talk about that a little more because there's awkward stuff that happens Christmas time when people don't like the gifts they're given. Um... <laughs> Okay, we're not going to go there. Bianca's giving me the head shake. So, what do we do with the gifts we've been given? God has given you, each one of you, a, a and you might not believe this, but I'm telling you this, and I hope you do, uh, a special ability or gift that is just for you. And we see this in, in chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's workmanship. And, and, and the, the concept there is literally not like, maybe your workmanship, I won't, I won't pick on you. Maybe my workmanship isn't that good. Like if I was to go build a bookshelf, it probably, I don't know if it would hold any books. Right? Like that's my workmanship. But, but, this concept of a, a perfect builder building something, God has built in you beautiful things. And so the concept here is masterpiece, not, not, just, not just some trifle work. And so God has given this to you. It says, but to each one of us, grace or a gift has been given. And so as we understand his call, what it looks like to walk in that call is discerning the ability God's given us and how he wants us to use that. And the only way to use that, we learn here, is through service. It's not for self. So, so how do we walk into this new year? It's, it's through service. If you, if you look down to verse 11, it says this. It was he who gave some to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service. And so what happens when service takes place? Well, this is what happens. It says, so the body of Christ may be built up until it reaches unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and becomes mature, attaining. Okay, get this. Are you ready? attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so that's what happens when, when each of you who have heard the call of God and then, and then see the way God has made you, not, not just to invest in yourself, but, but to serve and invest in other people, all of a sudden, the, his body starts getting built up to attain. And this is a grand promise here. It says, to attain the full measure of, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what this is saying is I can't, Daniel Frederick can't attain the, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ unless, unless you guys are, are serving me and I'm serving you and we're serving together. Does that make sense? Can you shake your heads with me? Okay, that's great. 
Because if this doesn't happen, we will be a people in constant poverty, not walking in all that God has for us. And, and we need to figure out some of this this next year because um, sometimes, and, and maybe if it's in the way we set things up, I don't know, but sometimes it's a lot easier in the way we, we do church to receive than to, to speak and share. Some of you are not growing your faith because you have not learned how to encourage somebody else. You have not learned how to encourage other people in their faith. Okay, let that sink in because this is really important. You've reached a plateau in your faith and you are not growing in it and you wonder why because you keep receiving but you have not learned how to encourage others. That, that's what it's saying here. And so you think, oh, I just need more knowledge. I need more information, I, and I need to process that. But the moment you start speaking and encouraging others, you will see your growth in Christ just skyrocket. That's what it's talking about here. And it shows an example of this. Uh, in chapter 5, where it says, in 519, it says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. So when you gather, it's like, like talk to one another, encourage one another. And by encouraging one another, you're going to see something happen to your faith. It's this life and reality that, that you just haven't seen because you were just holding on to it. You weren't serving with it. And so the first thing is understand the calling, right? Hear the calling, know it, love it. And then, and then action is required for that, that calling to come alive in us. And, and that requires you encouraging and speaking to others. Does that make sense? Man, I, I hope this makes sense to us because we can't keep receiving and expect ourselves to grow. We need to turn and encourage those around us. And then you'll see life in you and you'll see life in others that you never thought was possible. So as we walk in our gift of service, as we focus on those things this coming year, something happens and, and that's the last part of it. Something happens, and it's called maturity. And uh, maturity can be a very scary word. Um, but if we, if we understand what it's talking about here, I mean, I hope it's something that, that you see and, and are excited about it. Finishing out that last point in verse 13, it says, if we serve one another, we will become mature, right? Attaining the full measure. And then it uses an example here. In verse 14, it says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. And so, so follow me here. If we understand the call for walking in our gifts, what we need is we need to, we need to grow up. We need to mature in Jesus. And, and the example it gives here is if, if you remember as a child playing in the surf, right, going out to the beach, say Long Beach, and there are these long, beautiful beaches, and, 
and just goes on forever, it seems like. You can keep walking out. But as a child, you don't understand the whole concept of undertow, right? And you're just frolicking, and all of a sudden, the water starts pulling you in. And, and you think, no one can stand against this, right? And then all of a sudden, your, your dad's there, or your uncle, or mom, or whoever, and, and they grab a hold of you, and, and they are like an oak planted in the ground, right? And, and you're like, oh! And, and, and they're like, and, and you're like, how do they do that? And you're just so impressed that anyone could be that strong, right? To stand against the undertow. And, and that's what it's saying, is it's saying, some of you continue, keep falling victim over and over and over again to the same lies and the same temptations. And you think, oh, I will keep falling victim to that. You think the undertow will always get you. The fact is you need to grow up. In Hebrews 11, or Hebrews 5, there's a word that, that the author of Hebrews offers that it's, it's a hard word, but it's a good one. He says this. He says, we have so much to say, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. Can you do that? When, when cunning wisdom or man's schemes or lies or temptation come at you, can you discern good and evil? Or every time does it pose an equal temptation to you? Every time you hear someone mock God, do you go, oh my goodness, maybe they're right. right? Because, because that is this place of an infant constantly tossed back and forth. And, and the, what Paul's encouraging is, live a worthy life. Hear the call of God. Walk in in your gifts by serving and encouraging one another and grow up into maturity. So as you encourage others and, and you can show them the faith that is, is true and strong and stands against the cunning wisdom of the world. And this is what it encourages us to do. This is what maturity looks like. In verse 15 it says, Instead speak the truth in love we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom, from him the whole body, joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, so what does maturity look like? Well, what maturity looks like is you learning to be somebody who speaks love, the love of God to other people. What this is, what is just throughout this whole thing, and this is, this is we're going to end here, is, um, is that this is not, all this recommendation isn't 
isn't like go out and do it by yourself. Woven throughout this whole thing is this theme of unity that, that Paul is convinced for you to live a worthy life, you have to be connected to other people. And you see this in verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In verse 13 it says, until we all reach unity in the faith. In the end it says, from him the whole body is joined and held together. So the calling isn't for you, it's for a family, right? And that's confirmed within a family of people. Right? As we understand our call and then we walk out our gifts, it's for the service of other people, right? As we mature, what maturity looks like is speaking to others in love. <laughs> you know, it was interesting as I, as I considered this last point that that um, for someone who is truly mature, there isn't selfishness. Someone can be accomplished in ways. I was, I was thinking of a lot of ways we think of someone being accomplished. Say someone is very wealthy. They could be accomplished in that way, but, but maybe not mature, <laughs> right? And so inherent throughout this whole thing is this this self-giving nature as God fills you and calls you and asks you to walk out, that I hope that in 2015, you see this come alive because you start giving yourself away in ways that you've never done before. It isn't just like considering the calling in your own mind and just like trying to figure it out, but it's learning to speak it and encourage one another in what you're hearing from God. Right? And you see, oh man, the passions and Billy's given you and you're learning to you're learning to serve and share that with other people. You're speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, which might look a lot like a musical. I don't know. Whatever that looks like, what does it look like to encourage somebody else? Go beyond yourself to encourage them and see your faith grow in such a way that you are, you are maturing. And so when, when whatever comes your way, whether it's disaster or discouragement or temptation or lies, you'll be someone who stands firm and is immovable. Right? Knowing that you don't stand alone, but you stand together with other people. And this is the good word of God for us. And I pray that as this works itself out, really consider these three things. Have you heard the call of God? And if you have, do you remember, do you remember what that still small voice sounds like? If you don't, start there and say, God, remind me. Remind me before this year begins. And so I, I know what's worth giving my whole life for. If you do, if you remember that call of God, I ask you the second thing. What has he given you that you can give away? What has he given you that, that you're not just going to build up yourself with, but you're going to build up others with? And how are you going to serve his people in that way? And the, the third thing is this, if you are walking in that way, if you're walking in your gifts, what does it look like to keep maturing, to grow up? Because, because this kind of maturity leads to so much freedom and joy. This isn't like getting like, like stale and 
you know, grumpy. Not that kind of growing up. Like, like this leads to Paul in prison going like, live a worthy life. Right? Live a life worthy of the calling that God has given you. And to be a person, be that person who is strong and planted. So, man, if other people are getting tempted by lies, that you can be that strong arm that reaches out to them and grabs a hold of them and reminds them they are so loved by God and reminds them of the call of God on their life. So, in response to this, we are going to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs together. Um, so pray with me, and I encourage you, resolve to do this this next year. Oh God, I thank you for your word that is, is a light to our path, that when we look to 2015, it doesn't have to be dark and unlit. But with this good word, we can, we can know what an unwasted, worthy life would look like. And I pray that there will be in us just that burning of your spirit that, that we don't just consider these things and, and just the joy will get stifled because we just hold on to them, but, but we'll give that joy away. <laughs> we'll give it to our neighbors and our friends and, and this church will encourage one another because God, you have given us your incomparably great riches and we just, God, we love you. I pray these things in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen.